Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. David Taylor Claus said, Embracing our imperfections all comes down to our willingness to be vulnerable, to show our soft underbelly instead of working so hard to hide it. This is episode 51 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Simone Matthew. She grew up in a small home with her parents, a brother, and five cousins, and to make it even more difficult, her father was an alcoholic. Being a small child, it was hard for her to understand why her father came home angry and drunk every day, which led to a lot of anxiety. Growing up in the Caribbean, there was a lot of pressure in terms of grades because this was how you got ahead. Years later, the anxiety led to issues with her health, especially when it came to her weight because she wasn't aware of the effects her past was having on her. She had never really dealt with everything that happened, and for most of her life, she had just found a way to bury her feelings. Even after getting her education in psychology, it took time for her to start shifting her mindset. Now, she's the author of Push Past 10, a book that outlines her strategy of using the motivation of pushing through the first 10 minutes of any activity and how it can help you achieve your goals. She's inspiring people to begin anything from their own weight loss journey to writing their own book and more. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Simone Matthew. Hey, Simone, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. Uh, you're, I think, maybe the third or fourth person um, that I had on after being featured on the podcastguest.com newsletter. Uh, and so far, so good. They've provided me with a ton of great guests, and I'm sure you're going to be another. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for coming on and, and being willing to share your story. Yeah, thank you for having me. Wonderful to be here with you. Awesome. So the first question I ask every guest to get started is what is your definition of vulnerability? Yes. So I define being vulnerable as stepping in, um, stepping out in fear to pursue your purpose. So for me, um, my purpose is to educate people in terms of um, psychology and applying psychology to their life. But my fear is always because you can hear I have a foreign accent So I'm constantly wondering if within the first five minutes of someone meeting me, are they actually hearing me or are they too distracted by the thought of, hmm, I wonder where she's from. So that's (laughs) that's actually a real fear because I want people to focus on my message rather than being distracted by, you know, my accent and where I'm from. And for other people, um, stepping in, stepping out in fear, might be not feeling qualified to pursue the journey, the purpose that they're trying to um, pursue, and also being afraid of failure, right? Because failure is such an integral part of who we are, and being afraid to succeed in a new journey is a real fear for a lot of people. So for me, um, vulnerability means stepping out in fear to pursue my purpose. No, and that's a, a very unique definition. I've had, you know, some similarities and definitions, but that one's very unique. And I appreciate uh, how I really appreciate how everybody has a different definition. And I appreciate how you've definitely given that one some thought. And and I like the way you're putting it because it does make sense. It's it's definitely, you know, putting yourself into vulnerable situations definitely has some fear to go along with it. 
Um, but you know, it's, it's sort of what you have to do to, to get uncomfortable and, and figure a lot of things out. So I can definitely appreciate that for me, the accent thing isn't such an issue, but I don't know if that's just cause where I grew up, I I'm in uh, Toronto, Canada and in Toronto, we have a, a lot of multiculturalism. Um, one of my mom's best friends is Trinidadian. So she has a pretty thick accent. So I just sort of grew up around that. Um, so it doesn't even really phase me. I noticed it, but it's like, it's just normal. <laughs> I have to tell you, I felt right at home being on your podcast because actually the first, the first podcast I listened to of yours was Kira. And, oh, she's okay. actually, and so I said, wow, okay, so I'm, I feel right at home with Brian. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's pretty awesome. And I'm glad that you, uh, you took some time to listen to one of my podcasts. That was a good one. And she's a good friend of mine. And yeah, so, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. So uh, what if you were to sort of look back on your life and, and go back as far as you want? I, I don't sort of like everybody's different. Some people go back to when they're child. Some people will be like high school. Uh, what would you say would be your earliest memory of facing some sort of vulnerability or struggle in your life? Yeah, so my earliest memories of feeling vulnerable is growing up in the Caribbean. I'm originally from the island of Dominica. And I've been here in the U.S. for about 24 years now, but I was born and raised um, in Dominica. And my earliest memories of my father being unfortunately an alcoholic. So he was, you know, drunk just about every day, coming home with the arguments, the verbal assaults. And that just kind of made me become very anxious and feel very defenseless and pretty much just feeling voiceless, feeling like a very small person in this really big world. So that's actually my earliest memories of really feeling vulnerable. No, and, and I can only imagine, I mean, because being a child, not really understanding what that's all about. I'm sure now with what you do and being uh, in psychology, you probably have a better understanding. But as a child, it's probably pretty foreign to you as to why that person is sort of, you know, coming home that every day in that sort of way. Um, so I can definitely understand where, where that might have felt vulnerable to you. So you know, how did, how did you deal with it really? Like how, like as a child, like you're saying, it's something that gave you anxiety and, and created anxiety in your life. But what did you do to sort of help yourself sort of deal with it? Well, fortunately and unfortunately, I grew up in a household with my mom, my dad, my older brother and five cousins. So it was a two bedroom house, one bathroom, very small house. So um, it was difficult dealing with an alcoholic parent but it was almost like I was living this parallel life. So on one hand, you had the dysfunction of an alcoholic parent, but on the other hand, I had a mom who was very religious, taught us great structure, taught us great um, discipline. So it's almost like I was living this parallel life. So the way I coped is just immersing myself in school, having a great social support in terms of friends, my cousins, and my mom. So that really carried me through a lot of the difficult times. Uh, that's, that's, it's all right. And I kind of like smirked there. And it's just because that's, it's really interesting to me to sort of have that duality, um, which is a word that I, I had a past guest use a lot, which is, you know, the fact that you had such extremes in one household. You had a mom who was just very like, you know, disciplined, very, like you said, religious. And then you had a dad who sort of, they 
exact opposite. And I can only imagine <laughs> how interesting that must have been as a child trying to figure out like, which way do I go <laughs> sort of thing. But I'm glad that you had that support. And, and what I find a lot of people talk about when they say, when I ask them sort of a question like that, is that, you know, the, the friends and the people that you have around you are, are a lot of what has, uh, a lot of what helps you sort of get through these, these moments in your life, these struggles that you might go through. And it's amazing because my five closest friends have been my friends since I was about the age of 13. And they've carried me through all the way, including being my motivation to stay in school because we were all on the same path. So right now, three of them are physicians. One uh -huh. is a and I'm in psychology. So we kind of all just kept each other motivated along the way. So it is actually true. I heard you discuss the importance of the five people who are closest to you. And that is so true. And are those people, just out of curiosity, are those people from back home or are they people that you met when you came here? All from my childhood. From oh, high wow. And are they all in the U.S. with you as well or are they some spread out? One is in Trinidad, right? <laughs> One is in Dominica. Well, two are in Dominica and the two of us are here in the U.S. Wow, so that's... Got for WhatsApp. <laughs> no kidding well that's crazy i'm just and the, the reason i asked was because like a lot of us i think struggle with i mean i struggle with keeping in contact with people that live you know 20 30 kilometers from me um you know like or you know 20 30 minutes whatever you want to look at it and yet you're still friends with people that are probably in different time zones or even just in in completely different countries and like you said thankfully for technology it, it sort of helps us keep in touch it's, our whatsapp group is always um active <laughs> uh, so what 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 strength would you say you discovered in yourself early on in your life like what what really presented itself that helped you because I mean for you to go from that sort of childhood to like you're saying now you know your 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 friends and yourself you're all physicians um, you know that's quite a you know a journey there and I'm sure we'll get into it more but what new strength did you discover in yourself at a younger age that sort of helped you and gave you that motivation as you progress through life Right, so I think what happened with having the parallel lives, it taught me a very significant lesson that I had a choice. I could either choose the dysfunctional part of my life and become an alcoholic, a substance abuser, and go down that path, or I could choose the more structured, productive um, lifestyle that my mother constantly tried to ingrain in me. So I think I went along and went with education so I studied and I studied and I worked very hard and eventually I was able to secure a scholarship to go to school to pursue my bachelor's degree in psychology in Texas. That's, I mean, and like I said, we're, we're very short, we're like, we're very early on in your story and I'm sure there's, like I said, tons more to, to share, but that's just incredible to me that uh, you, at a young age, you sort of, again, recognize that there's that choice in life because even now, I think a lot of us don't realize that really it's up to us. At the end of the day, we can blame as much as we want on things that have happened to us or whatever, um, you know, and some sort of external situation. But at the end of the day, it's really us that's in control and it's up to us to make the choices and for you to make that choice. And then, like you said, let it drive you to the point where you, you were disciplined and you, you went after your education to the point where you got a scholarship, brought yourself to the U.S. That's, uh, you know, again, that's a pretty incredible, uh, you know, like I said, even though it's early on in your life and even though we haven't got into much, that's pretty incredible that you had that sort of knowledge at that sort of age. Right. And I think it also lends itself to the mindset information that we'll talk about in a little bit. 
because I think a lot of it is what the internal dialogue that we have within our own minds in terms of who we are, what do we want to pursue in life, what is our purpose, and how we can carry that through by simply being able to focus on the mindset that we adopt for ourselves. But another sort of curiosity for me is you, you mentioned when we started that, you know, sort of the, the alcoholism that your father sort of had, it, it gave you a lot of anxiety. So how were you able to sort of shift that anxiety and, and start creating a mindset that was like what you're saying now, where you had a better mindset? Because to me, a lot of people that have anxiety or, or feel anxious, they have a hard time just getting through the day, let alone you know, being able to sort of create a positive mindset? So I think my mom was very instrumental in that because she kept us very busy. She kept us very busy. In the, in the Caribbean, we attend school from eight in the morning to one in the afternoon. And my dad would not come home until about five, six o'clock after work. So during that time of one, five, one to six, we were very productive, getting our schoolwork done, making sure that everything was pretty much attended to because we simply did not know what was going to be his state of mind when he would come home after work. So I think my mom, I give my mom, my mom a lot of credit for that because she truly kept us busy so that the anxiety did not take a real hold of us. Actually, I really started feeling the brunt of the anxiety after I had already graduated from college. Oh, wow. Because I think time I was a little bit more I was a little bit less busy and it kind of started sipping into my life a little bit more as I reflected on everything that that I had been through and I think it impacted me a little bit more after college so later on in life interesting and I do wonder like as you bring that up about growing up in the Caribbean I, I know life's probably a lot different there than it would be in North America, even now, or, and especially, you know, back when in your childhood. So I, I can only imagine that just the lifestyle there may have been a difference too, because here I think we can get very consumed in media and a lot of other things. And there, I'm just not so sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I didn't grow up in the Caribbean, but I have friends that did. And, and it just seems to me the lifestyles were a lot different than what we experience here in North America. Absolutely. It's a, a far more simple life, at least 20 years ago when I grew up there. Yeah. So it was about um, studying and it was to the point where it wasn't good enough to just get an A in the class. It was who got the highest A. <laughs> so we were... <laughs> Competition. <laughs> we, we really valued education because we all recognized that we were all in a small island and the real opportunities was really to go over to the US, to Canada, to England, to be able to pursue our degrees. And if we did not have excellent grades, then there was no chance of that happening. So is it, and I don't know if you would know off the top of your head, but is it like a, it's a very small percentage of people that are able to do that? Or because you're saying it's a smaller island and the, the, you're making it sound pretty competitive. So is it just a small amount of people that get that sort of opportunity? It's a very small uh, percentage of people. Luckily now with online learning, a lot more people are able to get the education and, we, and remain um, in the Caribbean. But at that time, you know, back in the mid nineties, there was no online learning. So your only choice was, be, was to be able to study and work hard enough to be able to secure a scholarship. 
Interesting. Uh, again, I'm just I'm asking all these questions because I think you're the first person that I've had on that, you know, like you said, Kira was from the Caribbean, but she came here very early on. I think she was like six or seven years old. And if for you, it just sounds like maybe you were able to experience a little bit more. And so I'm just trying to get an idea because I, I think the one thing I try and do with each episode is, is allow people to get different perspectives because not everybody's story is the same. Not everybody's experience is the same, but there's some relatability in everything. And so I just wanted to, to get into that a bit more, but now going back to, again, you said, you know, in college, you started to, to sort of feel more anxiety. You started to, I guess, reflect more on your past. Like what, was there something that brought that up or was it just that at that point in your life, like you said, you had less to keep you busy. So it just started to surface. Yeah, I think I was just really at that point a little less busy and I was so used to burying the anxiety with studying and being active that once I started working and I had more time on my hand, I think it slowly started creeping in. And then what happened was that kind of led to a bout of depression. And then with that came turning to food, overeating to the point where I gained 20 pounds. And then it became, well, I got to start a new journey of weight loss and healthy eating. So I started a new path to success using the psychology I knew because I started working out and I just wasn't consistent, right? So I would work out well for two weeks. I would eat well for two weeks. And then by the third week, I was off the wagon doing what I normally do. <laughs> so realize, hey, what if I apply the psychology that I've been learning all these years to myself? And I trained myself to kind of change my thought process, change my mindset in terms of how I saw working out, how I saw eating. And I was really able to have a lot of success in that area where now 15 years later, I'm very consistent with working out. I'm very consistent with eating healthy. Um, so for me, it's just been a series of different journeys along the path of life and just being able to find success with each journey. No, and that's interesting. And, and the one thing I picked up that you said there was when you sort of said that everything started to come up is because you were less busy and less distracted. And the reason I want to sort of get back to that is because I know for myself, at least, um, I've had some events happen in the last few years, mainly the passings of family members that were very close to me. And the, the first one that happened, I want to say it was about four years ago now. Um, it was my grandfather who I was very close to. And for at least a year after his passing, I did a lot of things to sort of suppress what I was feeling, whether it was, you know, uh, extracurricular, extracurricular activities, which we won't name, but, you know, whether, whether it was things like that or whether it was, um, you know, uh, getting into trying to start a business and, and, and just distracting myself with that. And so I just... I find it interesting when sort of you said the same thing where it's like, it seemed like the busyness that you sort of brought into your life for those years was a way to sort of suppress what you were actually feeling. Does that ring true with you at all? And that is the funny thing about emotions and our mental states. They stay with us and eventually they find their way to the surface. <laughs> Much as we would like to bury them, sometimes you have to go through the fire to get to the other end. And for me, um, exercise, eating healthy was kind of my therapy for getting to the other side, for calming all those racing thoughts in my mind all the time and just getting me to refocus. So it's, it's an interesting thing with emotion and mental health. You have to do the work. 
No, and, and that's something I constantly hear. And, and I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people were, I don't know if afraid is the right word, but it, maybe it is because like your definition says, you know, it's that going, doing something, you know, through the, going, like going through the fear to get to where you want to go. And so it seems to me that it would relate that, you know, because we're so afraid to do these things that we don't actually let ourselves start or we, we don't actually continue like you're saying like you, you'll start something but then you stop because you know your fear comes up and and if we don't sort of work on that then we're just going to keep on this cycle of trying failing trying failing trying failing trying failing and never really succeeding so lead to destructive behavior like turning to the alcohol that i was so um insistent and trying to avoid so that was my fear that the anxiety and the depression would um, take me down a destructive path so I, I realized then and I had to face it and I had to do the work. So, instead, so I guess in some ways what you're saying is instead of turning to alcohol, you turn to food and stuff like that. So you, you may not have followed the same pattern as your father did, but you sort of found a new one. Certainly. Interesting. <laughs> so I've never had somebody on here who can sort of uh, give such a, I guess, a, a psychological way of looking at things like it's, it's more, you know, and, and everybody's obviously had a story to share, but I like how you're the, I think the guest that I had on last week, she was in, uh, she was a therapist for a little while. And so I find a little bit of relatability between the two episodes, but I like how you're, you're sort of uh, relating your life too, as well, in terms of your past and everything. It's just, it's interesting to me to see it this way because I, I wouldn't necessarily look at it like this in my own life or in, I'm sure for some of my listeners. So if you give us some ideas, cause I, I want to definitely get into like the psychology that you used to start shifting your mindset, because that might be helpful for other people that are listening to this that are going, you know, I, I see some of these same patterns in my life and, and why can't I get out of them? And maybe there's some stuff that you can share with us that, that sort of helped you sort of start doing that. Yeah. So I think the most significant thing for me was taking a different look at what failure is, because like with every journey, I started on trying to deal with my anxiety, my depression through exercise and through eating healthy, but I was constantly failing, which is one of the reasons why the title of my book is from failing a thousand times to achieving my fitness goal. Because I think we have to look at, fa as, at failure, not as a stop sign. I think a lot of times we fail and we stop. I think we have to look at as failure as an opportunity to grow. Failure is telling us we're doing something wrong, right? So for example, when I started working out, I was just going through the motions. I wasn't addressing how I can change my mindset to be able to succeed. So one of the things I started doing is I started preparing myself for success. So I would ensure I have all my gym clothes laid out the night before so that once I come from work, I don't go home, I change in the ladies' room, and I go straight to the gym, right? So that was a mindset, a mindset shift, right? So by doing things like that, I was able to gain traction, gain momentum, and even in terms of once I got to the gym, the reason the book is called Push Past 10 is I realized the first 10 minutes of working, on, working out was so excruciating. I kept thinking to myself, why am I doing this? I could be home on my couch, watching TV. I do not want to be here. 
But then I realized that once I got to that 10, 10 minute mark, I gained momentum. And then that 10 minutes turned into one hour and I had a successful workout. So that's why the name of the book is Push Past 10 because the, 10, the first 10 minutes of trying to work on any personal goal is really the toughest part of it. Once you gain that momentum, you'll be amazed as how, at how far you can go. That's, so can this be applied to, to, to anything or is it really just working out just out of curiosity? Absolutely. So that's why I said personal goals, because that's actually how I wrote the book. <laughs> Principles that I taught myself from working out, set yourself up for success, right? So that meant I ensured that my laptop, my notes were always within my, li my line of view. I could oh. always see from the time I woke up, it was staring at me, right? The same way I prepared my gym clothes to make, ensure I got to the gym. I set myself, myself up for success by ensuring that my laptop and everything was ready. And then on the days that I was so discouraged, I did not feel like writing, I thought to myself, Simone, 10 minutes. Just write for 10 minutes. And I was always amazed that, that 10 minutes would, would turn into an hour, two hours. So it really applies to any personal goal that you're trying to achieve. I'm over here smiling because it reminds me sort of my personal journey a few years ago when I got let go from my job. Uh, a gentleman that I met through uh, LinkedIn, he was from Belgium, like the other side of the world. We hopped on a phone call and he was like, you know, what did you like doing? Because he was asking me about my life now uh, or at the time. And it was like, what do you do for fun? And I was like, I watch Netflix with like most people. And he's like, well, that's not really great. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, well, what, what else do you enjoy doing? And I'm like, I don't really know. I haven't thought about it. And so when he asked me what I did enjoy doing, writing was one of the things that I used to enjoy. And he sort of, he said to me, okay, well, let's set up a, a SMART goal. Like, you know, uh, I, I can't remember what the, the acronym stands for at the moment, but the point was, is let's like give it some sort of, you know, uh, uh, structure. And so he said to me, you know, like, why don't you uh, set yourself a goal for writing 300 words uh, a week or something like that? And so anyways, the, the point is, is uh, I sat down at my laptop the first time and I went to my goal was to write 300 words. I ended up writing about 1500 words in a little over an hour. And so it just I was smiling when you're saying that because it's so true. Like you, you until you actually start doing the thing. Yeah. Yep, it's working on getting the momentum because I think for a lot of people, that's where they become discouraged. They don't feel they have the energy to get going every day. And let's face it, success is incremental. It's not about having a viral video and then getting success. We have to wake up every day and choose to work on our personal goals. And I find for me, if I tell myself I'm feeling discouraged, if I tell myself I'm going to do this for 10 minutes, it will spiral into an hour. No, it's and it's so true like what you're saying is that success is incremental because I think a lot of us what we see out there what we see whether it's online or some entrepreneur that we follow or whatever it might be we feel like oh wow they're super successful and it happened to them like they woke up one morning and they were successful but it's never the case it's usually little steps over and over and over again that eventually lead it's this podcast was a great example I started with 
two or three episodes. Now I'm at, you know, 31 I'm releasing tomorrow and I've got over 50 pre-recorded. So, uh, you know, you, when I started, I was worried about getting one guest. Now I've got, you know, a ton. So I, I definitely understand what you mean. And I have to tell you, your guest, uh, Michael Leonard, was so correct. Another important thing is not to compare your success to person's success. I took notes on your podcast. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I listen back to every single episode myself because the one thing I've said before on other podcasts is that it's not, this isn't just for my listeners to learn. I learn just as much. So I listen back after, you know, when I release the episode, because sometimes it's been, you know, months or weeks since I recorded it. So I always listen back to try and learn something. And I'm definitely going to be listening back to this one, because like I said, I, I, I like the psychological approach that you're taking to things, because I think a lot of us, uh, and even this really you know goes to me over the last few months as well a lot of us we get stuck in our thoughts and in our head and we don't realize how easy it is to sort of spiral in those thoughts and not get anything done and so I like the way that your your approach and everything and the way that you sort of took your knowledge of psychology to implement it into different things in your life thanks no no problem so you know if you were to sort of um I guess uh, th- this question is, is always a bit funny for me because it's just, it's hard to, for me to formulate uh, so far, I've got a bit of a better idea, but you know, if you were to sort of give us an idea of the, the sort of the emotional and physical tolls, you did touch on it a bit, but if you give us an idea of the emotional physical tolls that sort of your, your life took on you earlier on up until the point where you're at now, like, what would you say? You, I know you mentioned depression. I know you mentioned weight gain. Is there anything else that you sort of discovered or, or thought about when you, when you eventually faced, you know, sort of what happened and how it affected you? Yes, I think um, what happens when um, you grow up in the environment that I grew up in, it kind of teaches you to feel like you're a very small person. So it does really affect your personality and who you are initially, right? So I found that I was very timid. I felt very insecure. And I also was very afraid of speaking up, even when I knew that I had a valuable contribution to make, and even when I knew that I had the right answer. So it just, the the, the toll it had on me was just the sense of feeling insignificant. Like my views did not matter, what I thought did not matter. So I just became a shadow of the personality that I meant to be. No, that's a, again, it's a, your, your sort of your metaphors there too are very interesting. Like to think of yourself as a shadow rather than a, a, as the actual person and, and how that insignificance came from everything that you went through as a child. It's again, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting to me how we figure these things out later on and, and how they can open us up so much. Like for me, I was a very miserable person for most of my life. And in the last few years, as I've started to look at and look at, look within myself and figure a lot of these things out, I, I'm, you know, I'm not seeing, I'm not uh, trying to compare <laughs> my situation to yours, but I'm seeing the relatability there is where, you know, I, I spoke with a coach not too long ago and he, and he asked me, you know, sort of what, is what is giving me sort of this uh, negative self-talk what is making me feel like I'm not ready to put things out into the world and one of the things that was brought up was when I was younger and when I was in school I was always told you know I'm not putting in enough effort I'm not trying hard enough and so he made me realize how you know because of that now it's I'm worried about doing other things because of the fact that I'm worried that I'm not doing enough or I'm not putting in enough effort when it's not even close to the same 
point of my life or the, you know, like that, that what happened back then doesn't really matter now, but how we hold on to it. And even because we don't face it a lot of times, it can hold us back from so much. And I think the important thing to recognize here as well is the significant impact our words have on children. Because in the same way you were talking about your experiences, I had teachers along the way who told my mom that I was not good enough. I was not smart enough to go to certain schools. Hmm. I'm standing right there and the teacher is saying to my mom, she's not smart enough. She will not succeed in that school. And for me, again, a choice mindset, right? So I thought to myself as an 11 year old girl standing here with the teacher telling my mom that I should not go to this high school. I thought to myself, I'll show you. <laughs> driving force to attend the high school, the most prestigious high school on the island, and to be top three for every grade that I went to because I kept thinking to myself that that teacher said I was not good enough. So I think we always have a choice yeah. in what happens to us, what people say to us. We can, we can choose to digest it, let it consume us, let it paralyze us, or we can see it as a strength, a power to go out there and show them this is who I am and you were wrong. No, and that sort of ties into the whole message of this podcast. The reason I named it Vulnerable with the word able in capital, in capital letters is because I want people to realize that your vulnerabilities are not necessarily a weakness. They can be a strength if you decide to learn from them. And what you said right there is pretty much like a, a great way to summarize sort of what I'm trying to get across is how you used it to drive you to do more rather than to hold you back. And, and I think the same thing happens with vulnerabilities is that if we if we sort of get lost in them and get stuck in them and we don't digest them, like you said, properly, then we can sort of get stuck there. Whereas if we were to look back and go, wow, you know, that vulnerable situation that I had, I got through it. What did I do to get through it? Oh, okay. Wait, maybe I can use that to go through this situation now. So I, I like I said, I, I love how it relates to the entire message of what I'm trying to do here. Good. So I want to get back to something as well, because you, you mentioned, you know, the, the importance of the people you had around you. And, and I think you wanted to sort of bring uh, more light to that. And, and I'd like to let you because I believe in that as well. I've seen the difference it's made to have certain people in my life over the last few years. Even just my relationship with my wife has gotten a lot better over the last few years. And even that support alone has helped me achieve a lot more in the last few years than I have in the first 30 odd years of my life. So if you want to get into that a little bit more, I'd like you to touch on that a bit more. Uh, yes, certainly. So again, uh, you know, my, my, the five of us have been on this journey from the, of, um, from the age of 13. So I think although it wasn't a stated, although it wasn't stated uh, verbally that, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep track of what you're doing, Consciously, I just think we all felt we did not want to be the person left out, right? So we did not want to see everybody moving forward, being successful, and then we were the odd one out. For example, my three girlfriends, they all love medicine. I cannot stand the sight of blood. <laughs> so there was no way I was going into medicine. But I always had the love of being able to educate people right? Being able to use my knowledge and experience to teach something new, to teach people how your emotions impact your life, how being stuck in a certain mindset 
is going to challenge your lifestyle, right? So I knew from a very early age that my path was going to be psychology. But even though we had all um, selected different areas, one of them is an OBGYN, one of them is a primary care uh, 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 physician, although we had selected different paths, we still had that connection in terms of wanting to be both academically and professionally successful. So we were able to cheer each other on and support each other as we went along the journey. And we're doing so to this day. We check in with each other every week, either through WhatsApp or through a call, just to say, hey, how you doing? And what's going on with you? And we support each other. No, I, I don't think that I've heard a better example of the, and the, and I'm sure you've heard the same before the sum, uh, the five people who you surround yourself with, or the, you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with the most there finally, got it up. but I, I think that, that I don't think I've ever heard a better example of that and how you guys were able to do that. And I'm glad that you had that sort of support. Cause for me, like I said, most of the support that I found has come within the last, you know, five to or so years of my life, five to 10. I mean, my wife and I have been together for um, just over 10 years. So for, for with her, it's obviously been the entire time, but with, you know, friends and stuff like that, it's only been in the last few years. And for you to have had that from, I think you said like the age of 13 till, till now is, is pretty incredible. And I can only imagine how it's, it's helped you, like you said, throughout your journey and keeping you motivated and keeping you uh, accountable too. Cause I think accountability is a huge part of our success. Absolutely. So if you were to look at everything that's happened and what, you know, between, you know, the experiences, between the friendships, everything that's sort of brought you to where you are now, like if you could give us an idea of, of how it all helped you get to where you are now with your book, with your career, with everything that you're doing, your, your health journey, how has everything that's happened helped you get to this point? Yeah. So again, like I mentioned, it kind of always showed me that I had a choice, right? So I see my, my life in terms of a stream of journeys, right? So the first journey was a choice of a dysfunctional um, life or a, a successful academic and professional life. So that was the first journey. I had to create a path to be able to accomplish that journey. The path was study hard, education, and get to college, right? Once I had accomplished that journey, the next journey began. The anxiety crept up, depression, the weight gain. So the new path to success on that journey was teaching myself to eat healthy, changing my mindset in terms of working out and exercising, right? So that has been the last 15 years of that path to success. Once I felt I had achieved that journey, I thought, what's the next journey? And the interesting thing about it is, I struggle with, it, with whether or not to pursue the journey that I have been on for the last four months. Because I thought to myself, you know, I have achieved so much. You know, I came from a very poor island with an alcoholic father, right? I was able to get myself a scholarship, got into college. I actually did my master's degree at Columbia University in New York City. So I was able to get myself into an Ivy League school for my master's degree, did my PhD have been successful with uh, being an associated professor of psychology for the last 11 years, been on my fitness journey for the last 15 years. I'm comfortable. I live a pretty comfortable life. 
So why this new journey? But the funny thing about living a purpose-driven life is there's always a voice in your mind saying, you are called to do more, right? Growth and development should never end for as long as we're alive. So we are called to do more. So what are you going to do, Simone? Are you going to keep uh, denying that there's a new journey that you should be beginning? Or are you going to push the fear aside and jump in? And I struggled with that idea for quite some time. And then I gave in. So I told myself, I'm going to take the 20 years of experience I've had learning, applying psychology to myself, teaching psychology, and I'm going to take the 15 years of experience of a healthy lifestyle, working on my mindset in terms of working out, and I'm going to apply to a new journey. And the new journey became publishing a book, right? And starting the process of becoming a motivational coach. And I want to commend you because, you know, it seems like a lot of the people you bring on are super successful with what they're doing. But for me, with this new journey, I published the book January 1st. So it's only about four months. So I wanted to commend you for bringing on people who are at the beginning of a new journey. Because I think that a lot of listeners will find value in terms of the successes and the failures that somebody who is starting a new journey will face. So for me, it's been a series of journeys, pathways to success, journey, pathway to success. And I think it will continue for as long as I live. No, and I'm glad that you look at it that way because I think a lot of us, we get to a certain age or a certain point in our life and we sort of just, I don't want to say give up, but we're just comfortable. And and so we we stay in that comfort and we don't believe there's more for us. And and whether that means you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever age it might be. And, and what I've learned over the last few years, whether it's through speaking to other people, my own experiences, whatever it might be, is that like you said, there's never really a time to stop growing. It's really up to you. If you just decide you want to stop, then stop. Sure. But are you going to be as satisfied with your life? Maybe not. I mean, in my opinion, probably not, but, <laughs> but you know, I want to be fair to everybody and, and thank you again, you know, for the, for the kind words, but I think for me, it's not necessarily, I know sort of the subtitle of my podcast is from struggle to success. And I think I need to address that a bit because for me, success, at least for myself. And, and I think for a lot of us should be defined individually. Um, and so for me, I don't know, like for me, success used to be the job title I held, the amount of money that I made, the size of my house, the type of car I drove, whatever it might be. It was more material things. And now I've realized that that's not at all what success is for me. Success for me is, is having a healthy relationship, is living a life that is, you know, has purpose, that is impactful. It's a lot different than it was, you know, three, four years ago. And, and so for me, it's more the reason I want to give sort of a variety of guests on this podcast is because, again, the listeners, everybody's going to have a different experience. It's going to have a different journey um, that they're on. And I, and I want to give everybody a voice to be able to share their story because I, like I said, I think it's these stories that allow us to learn a lot more. It's, we can read a million books. We can take a million classes. We can do all these other things to grow for sure. But I really believe that in people's stories is where we can grow the most in hearing them because of the fact that there's a relatability there. When I lost my job a few years ago, when I put out an article on LinkedIn saying that I had lost my job and I had, you know, 30 or 40 people in the comments saying, Oh, so did I. And, and, you know, this is what I'm going through. You're, you, it makes you sort of not feel as alone and it makes you sort of see past the, that struggle. It makes you sort of realize, okay, 
oh, there's somebody else going through this. And then I would hop on a call with them and we'd go through our stories and it's like, wow, there's more than just the losing the job relatability there. And then you build sort of these relationships, these friendships that help you progress to the next sort of step in your journey. So I, I like, I, again, I, I appreciate the kind words, but I think that there's importance in these stories, whether you're where, wherever you are in your life. And, and I just, I'm glad that people are so willing to come on here and share them because for me, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, you know, I don't have any sort of specialty in this area. It was just, I had a few people in my network who had these incredible stories that I wanted to share. And as I've progressed and, and met new people and, and so on, it's just, just become this area that I just find very interesting that I want to continue because I, I, I'm, I just hope that it can help people as they listen. Like I say in other podcasts, my goal right now is to impact one listener per episode. That's it. Like I'm not looking to, you know, impact a million people right now. Obviously in the future I'd like to, but right now I just want to help one person who's struggling right now realize that they can learn something from their struggle and they can use that to sort of push them forward. But yeah, anyways, that's my sort of tension there. I think we're seeing the importance of social connections, especially in this, this era of social distancing where yeah. we're separated. And it's so much so important that we find the social connection because we are social beings. We are not meant to live isolated, right? So it's so important that we're able to draw from the success and failures of other people to strengthen us to keep to be to to be able to move forward no for sure couldn't have put it any better myself and that was much much shorter than the way i was <laughs> what i was trying to put out so i appreciate that so i think i already have a, a, a the answer to this question but i'm gonna ask it anyways at this point in your life would you say that you're you're, you're you have a, a fulfilled and successful life or would you say you're still on your journey towards that Right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to what you said. I think the most important part of that question is how do you define success? Yeah. Right. But I think, and I have also heard you talk about this before, that sometimes we get stuck in the societal norms of what success is supposed to be. We're supposed to be this high level executive. We're supposed to be this uh, president of a company. But I think more importantly, we should see success as a question. Right. And the question is, are we fulfilling our purpose, right? So from a very early age, I knew I was supposed to be an educator. I won't go into detail, but my mom has lots of stories of how I used to line up her plans <laughs> and try to teach them. And if they would not listen, I would punish them with the rules. So from the age of seven or eight, I knew what my purpose is. So I think the idea of success should be a question that we should each as individuals ask ourselves. And that is, what is your purpose, right? And how are you working to achieve the purpose? So I would say I have certainly not found success yet in the new journey, but in terms of the 20 year journey with psychology, the 15 year journey with health and fitness, there's been some success here. And I'm very proud of the work I've done in those particular areas. But now it's a, it's a new challenge. It's a new opportunity for growth. It's a new chance to take on a new, a new challenge and continue working towards my purpose of educating as many people as possible with regards to how psychology impacts your world. 
No, and the one thing I I really want to take away from that because I, I think it's something I've heard before, but the way you described it, and I think it which which is really important, is a lot of people have said that they don't believe success is a destination because and 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 a lot of people I think there's this sort of this um. I don't know how this message that I've heard, I guess is the best way to put it on other podcasts or whatever it might be where it's like, you know, if you, if you think that when you reach success that you're going to be satisfied and it's going to be, you know, everything's going to be great. You're wrong because usually once you hit that success, the first question out of your head is what's next. And so I think it's great the way you put it in terms of, you know, you've got to constantly sort of be looking for these journeys because otherwise you'll get to that point and then you'll be lost again. Rather, whereas you've sort of taken the approach of, okay, I, I reached success in this area. So what's the new journey to go on? And so I just, I really like how you put that in and how you've sort of done it in your own life and, and how people might be able to use it uh, moving forward in theirs. Yeah, but I, I certainly think that it, it starts with finding your purpose because no. I think a lot of us, that's where we struggle. We are so busy trying to work on the societal norms of getting the fancy house, the, the nice car, earning a lot of money. Not that there's anything wrong with those things, but for me to be fully fulfilled means what are you put on this earth? to accomplish no I, I couldn't agree more I, I like it I, I've realized the importance of that over again the last few years is that there has to be a purpose to everything otherwise I think I, I've said it I, I just listened to a podcast the other day one that was recorded a few months back in sort of the the idea that uh, was in my head at that time and and it's still constantly there is that when when it's our time when we pass on a very few of us are going to be on our deathbed thinking about the fact that oh i wish i had worked harder and made more money we're going to be worried we're going to be regretting the things that we didn't do the experiences that we didn't have the purpose that we didn't fulfill whatever it might be so i couldn't agree with what you had to say there more so we're getting down to the the final couple things here um the last question i like to ask every guest is to sort of uh, summarize what, what we've talked about. If, if they were to listen back to this, there's tons of great tips that you were, you gave us on, you know, how to handle depression, how to handle, you know, the choices in our life. But if you could give people three important lessons that you've learned through your journey that could help them with their struggles and whatever their journey is right now, what would you say those three lessons would be? Yeah, certainly. So I think the number one thing for me is to be adaptable and be flexible especially when you're taking on a new journey. And I'll just give you a quick example of how that relates. So again, I started, I published a book in January and through networking, I was able to get a few speaking engagements, a few presentations. And the good thing about those is you have other opportunities to meet with other people to do other presentations. So that was wonderful. So I also got an opportunity to be a part of, um, a mega church, they were having a health and fitness uh, wellness, a um, couple of seminars a week. So I did about four of them. And through that, I was able to get a connection to be able to do a presentation with a major sorority, the annual health conference. I was going to be one of the keynote speakers at that conference. And do you believe that conference would have been uh, March 28th? Oh. And shut down March 15, 15th. So I was devastated. And I thought to myself, not only did I lose that opportunity, but I lost all the other opportunities which would have come from that opportunity. And then my husband said to me, think of it this way. Yes, you lost this opportunity, 
But if not for losing that opportunity, you would have never looked into podcasts. You would have never looked into conducting interviews, which I've done a few live radio interviews um, since then. And from one of those live radio interviews, I have now been offered the opportunity to produce and host a radio show on the internet. Adaptability. No kidding. <laughs> right. so, so rather than getting stuck in fighting the change and sulking over, oh my God, I lost this opportunity, I lost this opportunity, I just changed directions. So you have to be adaptable, right? When one road closes, you have to look around and say, where next can I go? Because I know this is my purpose. I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This road has closed, but what are the other opportunities that may be out there to continue that path of pursuing your passion? No, that's, a, that's a definitely a, a strong one to start with. And so what would the other two and, and three be? So the next one is every new journey needs a new network, right? So I have a lot of people I've worked with in terms of psychology and in terms of fitness, but now in this new journey that I'm on in terms of helping people to change their mindsets and being a motivational coach, there's gonna, I'm going to have to work on a new network. And the funny thing about it is um, there are lots of Facebook groups. I highly recommend the Facebook groups. Because there are certainly people out there that can teach you um, how to navigate what you're trying to do. But you also have to be mindful that there are certain cultures that come with these new networks. For example, I joined Twitter back in, 2000, uh, back in January, right? And I was happy I'm here contributing and everything. And then I would um, have people follow me and then I would come back the next day and they were gone. And I kept myself, why, why are they coming in and then heading out? I did not know that there's a follow for follow culture of Twitter. So if you follow me and I don't follow you in return, you're going to unfollow me. I didn't know this, right? So not only are you looking to join new networks by showing the value that you have to offer to that network, but now you also have to know the culture of that network to be a valuable member, right? And then the third thing I would say in terms of the takeaways is be prepared for rejection. That's a tough one. <laughs> that is certainly a tough one because here you are, you've had all this experience, well, at least for me, all this experience in psychology and fitness. And I thought I had this great idea. I'm going to write a book on how to use all this information, work on your mindset, achieve your personal goals, right? So I reach out, I send emails, I make phone calls, I, I send social media posts, crickets. Nobody responds, right? So I think instead of you know, getting upset, getting angry, you might as well make friends with the crickets because you might as well be prepared that people are not going to latch onto your ideas you're on this on your own. You're in this on your own. And every day, like we said, you just have to work out, work, wake up and see the opportunities. But you also have to not get stuck in what is not working out, right? So for example, back to Twitter, right? I was thinking I would get one new follow 
for any information that I posted. And I would get discouraged. I'm like, I thought I was adding such great value to this conversation and nobody's liking my posts. If anything, I'm getting one follow. But what I was not paying attention to is while I was getting one follow on Twitter, the number of followers I had on Facebook was surpassing 500. So I was so busy being stuck on what was not working out that I was not recognizing what was working out, right? So you have to be prepared for people to say no, but you also have to keep in mind where your successes are and you should celebrate the successes. And that should be the, 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 the momentum you need to keep going. No, so and the, those are the main three takeaways I would, I would say. No, for sure. And I think that what, what, what I like about all three of them is that they're extremely relatable. The last one I want to touch on, because I think one thing that's important to take away from that is that no matter what rejection, everything you get, you have to believe in yourself first. Because I, 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 I was in sales for most of my working career. And if anybody knows anything about sales, it's, there's a ton of rejection pretty much daily because you might go up to 10 people or talk to 10 people and only one of 10 is going to say yes. So, I mean, I've learned to deal with rejection at a very young age when I started working in sales. But the, the thing that I also took away from it, and even in the last few years that I've really taken away from sort of the journey that I've been on, is that you have to believe in yourself first. And, and you're not going to get everybody to believe in you. And, and I think like you're saying that if you get stuck in that, it's going to stop you. Whereas if you just sort of recognize that it's going to happen and you continue to have that belief in yourself and you look for those small wins, you will eventually sort of get past that rejection and, and sort of get to where you want to go. Right. And, and also just as important is knowing when to take a break because trying to do everything can become very overwhelming to the point, you know, you're posting stuff to put Twitter or you're posting something to Instagram and you're sitting there looking at the phone like, oh, please, please like, please like, and it becomes overwhelming. Yeah. So at some point you have to put the phone away and say, you know what, I've done my part um, and I'm gonna walk away for a little while and become re-energized, maybe go work out <laughs> and come back add it again no for sure and uh, even though it's sort of a fourth point I, i'm glad that you brought that up because i think again it's something that a lot of us can get caught in and and you have to be very careful with that especially with social media because a lot of it unfortunately is is made to sort of give us that addiction and that feeling and, and wanting that acknowledgement and you have to be very careful with that i mean i've seen it over the last few months of starting this podcast when i wasn't seeing a ton of engagement but then when it, what ends up happening is you get those few messages or those few comments from people where they tell you how it's impacted them. And that means more than the hundred likes that you may have gotten. It's that one person who says this changed my life. That really makes the difference. So I definitely like what you had to say there. So, so the last thing that I do on every podcast is really just an opportunity to allow my guests to sort of promote themselves, promote whatever they're up to, um, you know, where to follow them on social, whatever it is that they want to put out there. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, so again, my new journey is um, my recently published book, uh, Push Past 10, and it's the number 10. So Push Past the Number 10, and it's available on Amazon.com. It's $7.99 for the paperback and $4.99 for the e-copy. And it's an easy step-by-step -step guide for changing your mindset to work on your goals daily 
uh, to be able to achieve your personal goals, whether they be health and fitness related, a change in career, um, whatever you're working on in your personal life, it's a step-by-step -step guide to getting you to achieve your goal. And I'm also interested in networking with others who are interested in the field of personal development, um, in the field of motivation. And in terms of where you can find me, uh, all my handles are pushfast and the number 10, so Facebook, uh, Twitter, um, Instagram, and my Gmail account is also pushfast, the number 10, so pushfast10 at gmail.com. So I'm very excited because it's look, it looks like I'm about to embark on yet another journey of starting the radio, producing and hosting the radio show. So I'm hoping that people will link up with me through the networks or through um, the email to see when that will get off the ground and possibly even become a guest on my radio show. I would love to invite you. <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate that. Do you have a website as well? I know you mentioned all the social and everything, but is there a website as well? Because I'm sure that's where you'll probably promote some of the radio show as well. Right. So no, I, it's, I do own the domain name, but unfortunately that has oh, not okay. been set. No worries. Yeah. Through email and I will be posting on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Awesome. Well, th that's more than enough ways. And when the website gets up, if it gets up before we release this episode, then I'll make sure to put in the show notes. But for now, I'll put everything else that you mentioned. I just want to finish off by thanking you for coming on and thanking you for sharing so openly. Like I said, it, for me, it's it's really, um, it, it's just it, humbling is the word I continue to use because I don't know you, you don't know me. We we met through a newsletter that that I was featured on and yet, you know, you come on here, you share so openly and you gave us a lot of great insights on how we can handle a lot of things that go on in our lives, whether they, whether it's similar, our experiences are similar to yours or not. I think, like I said, the way that you sort of put everything in the way that you explained it all it makes it so that more of our listeners can relate and, and use these things to help them move forward as well. So uh, again, thank you very much for, for taking the time to come on here today. Oh, thank you. And if I could just leave everyone with just one final thought, I would say always think of yourself as your greatest resource, right? So your education, your experience, the other journeys that you've had in your life, they've prepared you for this new journey. So you are your greatest resource, right? You just have to be willing to learn, be willing to fail, and be willing to get back up and not try again, but get going with what you're doing. Because again, if we're trying, we're failing, right? Mm -hmm. So very important to jump in and just write down your goals, write down your purpose, and get started working on it uh, daily. No, awesome. Great way to end it. Thank you again. And, and we'll, uh, we'll connect again soon. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.